Hey there, it's Kevin Butler, and welcome to the very first episode of Lights, Camera, Teach. I believe that just like an action-packed movie, a successful classroom needs a good director. Each episode of this podcast will share ideas about why I think it's essential to keep kids engaged in active learning and how to make the classroom a place where kids want to be. Throughout future podcast episodes, I'll be talking about what I'm doing in the classroom to create those show-stopping learning experiences that my students will remember. I'll be throwing in some tales of my 17-year career as a teacher, and we'll also be talking about my five teaching non-negotiables. I'll also be bringing on fellow educators to talk about ways they direct their students in active learning, have former students talk about what they remember most about being in my class, former parents, and on occasion some Hollywood friends may drop in to talk about what they remember most about school. So here it goes, episode one. I'm going to be honest, it was only probably two weeks ago that I learned about the power of two things, one Twitter and two podcasts. I knew what each was, but as an Instagrammer, I was always a little intimidated by Twitter. Podcasts, that's another story. I knew what a podcast was, but I only listened to two of them. The first being Cyril back in probably 2014, and the second, which I'm listening to right now, is called The Office Ladies. I'm a massive fan of the TV show The Office. If you are too, I highly recommend you listening to Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsley break down each episode of The Office in sequential order. Side note, about two years ago, Jenna Fisher, who's Pam, walked through my classroom on a tour while I was teaching math. I seriously almost died, for real. I am one of the biggest Office fans there are. And for a few seconds, I did contemplate risking losing my job and yelling out, Pam! Anyway, I didn't, so let's get this going. So if you've heard me speak before or heard me talk about my own classroom and my teaching philosophies, you probably already know what I call my five teaching non-negotiables. Those are the five things that I have pretty much kept sacred for the 17 years that I've been a teacher. These include active learning, classroom management, no time for downtime, creating memories and building bonds, and to expect the unexpected. I'll talk more about each of those in future episodes, but I want to start off talking a little bit about myself and tell you how I got here. Ever since third grade, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I had the best third grade teacher one can imagine. Her class wasn't only fun, it was captivating. Everything we did in her class was an experience. And almost 30 years later, I could still place myself back into my third grade classroom. She was a dynamic storyteller. I remember her reading us Mr. Popper's Penguins as if it was yesterday. I loved the class fish tank, the salamanders we had, and when we hatched chickens and ducks. She taught us songs to remember the continents and oceans, and chants to remember our multiplication facts. What I remember most was her class wasn't easy. And this was the 1980s, long before rigor was an educational catchword. I remember rewriting papers more than once because my handwriting was messy. I remember her calling home because I was misbehaving. She caught me selling candy during lunch in the cafeteria. I remember that she cared. She loved her job and she loved her students. She was honest and we trusted her. I still keep in touch with her today. 
Minus a brief phase of wanting to be an architect in about sixth grade when I was obsessed with Legos, I was determined to get through school so I could come back as a teacher. Growing up, I made my friends play school. I pretended my house was the school building. I would make friends listen to my lessons. I would give them tests and assign them homework. I loved school. In retrospect, probably more for the social aspect than the learning, but school was just a place I enjoyed going to. I grew up in the suburbs of New York out on Long Island. I grew up middle class in a middle class neighborhood. During my senior year of high school, I only applied to two colleges, the University of North Carolina and a local private liberal arts college to appease my parents. I got accepted to both schools. And to make a long story short, being an only child, my mother didn't want me to go away to college, so she bargained with me. If I stayed home and I went to that local liberal arts college, which I must say had an excellent teaching program, I got a new car. I chose the car. During my final semester, I went back and student taught at my former elementary school. My third grade teacher had retired, but I student taught with my second grade teacher, who was always a close runner-up as best teacher ever. I remember sitting in student teaching seminar each week and hearing everyone talk about their weekly adventures in the classroom. And I was determined to be the first student to land a full-time teaching job. Now, at this time in New York, jobs were hard to obtain. Budget cuts meant hiring freezes. The market was saturated with teacher applicants. I was mailing out, I'm dating myself, resumes like crazy. I interviewed at several schools, but mostly for sub-positions. But in early December, I was called into an interview at a school on the eastern end of Long Island. I had never heard of the town before, but after doing some research, I found out that it was a growing suburb that was going to definitely need teachers. When I arrived for the interview, the assistant principal called me into her office. It was probably one of the best job interviews I've ever had, not because of my performance, but because of hers. She was and still is so kind. She was only a few years older than me, and we connected instantly. After her checking my references, she called me a few days later and offered me a job. I eagerly accepted it. The job was for a leave replacement. Unfortunately, the teacher I was taking over for was in a terrible car accident on her way home from school. I taught her fourth graders for the rest of the school year. Thankfully, before school was over, I was offered a full-time tenure-track teaching position to teach fourth grade in the fall of 2003. I was 22 years old. That first year, I was closer in age to my students than most of the other teachers that I worked with. Those kids are now in their mid-twenties and I still keep in touch with many of them today. But I owe those kids an apology. I had no idea what I was doing. I can only imagine what parents thought of me when they met me. I was 22 but looked 15. I thought I was going to change the world, but I was just lucky that everyone made it to June alive. Years later, I learned that the principal put the president of our PTA's child in my class, for a lack of a better word, to use her as a spy. They wanted someone who would give honest feedback on the class, my class. And it wasn't the student who was being the spy, and I use spy to be very dramatic. Rather, it was the student's mother 
who was the PTA president, because she was always at school. A few years later, I had her second son, and today her oldest son, Stephen, who was in my very first class, is now a New York City police officer, and her second son, Kevin, is finishing up medical school. Seventeen years later, I still get a Christmas card from their family. Even though that first year was a huge learning experience with many bumps along the way, my class did earn the highest scores on state testing. Every child in my class that year, according to New York State, met or was exceeding grade level academic standards in math and reading. At this time, NCLB was enacted, so test scores were important to district office. High test scores meant more state aid. With those good test scores, I quickly earned the respect of my principal and the central office. After several years of begging to teach fifth grade, my principal let me move up with one of my all-time favorite group of kids. He was leaving his position as our principal to accept the job as a superintendent at a neighboring school district, so in my mind it was his going-away gift to me. That year, I looped up with several of my fourth graders to fifth grade. To date, my first year in fifth grade is probably my favorite. It wasn't because those kids were extra smart or well-behaved, but it was because of the deep relationships I had built with them. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that I would leave that job in New York. I pretty much assumed that I would die in that classroom. But as life would have it, I was thrown a curveball. In the early spring of 2014, I was contacted by a startup charter school in Los Angeles, a city where I spent my summer vacations. I was offered a unique position to join their faculty as both a consultant and a founding teacher. The school was expanding from K-4 to K-5. Five years prior, my mother died of cancer. In 2003, days after I accepted my first full-time teaching job, my parents put my childhood home on the market and moved south to North Carolina. They designed and built their dream home, and in the fall of 2008, my parents told me my mother was diagnosed with cancer. The six months between October 2008 and April of 2009 were the, was the worst time of my life. Watching a parent die is something that I wouldn't wish upon anyone. A week before spring break of 2009, when I was already planning to head down to North Carolina, my father called and said I probably should try to get there sooner. Thinking that my classroom couldn't survive without me, I told him I couldn't take any additional time off from work, but would be there next week. That same evening, I was chaperoning our spring dance and told my principal about the conversation I had with my dad. She looked right at me and pretty much kicked me out of the building. She told me I needed to get in my car and go see my mother. She reminded me that my class would be fine without me and would be there when I got back. I left the next morning. When I arrived at my parents' house, my mother was not well. We were able to talk and we talked about a lot. I'm grateful for that because so many people do not get that chance to have those final conversations with loved ones who have passed. Her last words to me were to live my dreams because life is too short. The next day, my mother became incoherent. Three long weeks later, my mother died. I come from a tiny family, 
and it was my colleagues, students, and their families that got me through those terrible weeks. The comfort of seeing my students and their families at my mother's funeral meant more to me than I could ever express in words. I was out of work for about five weeks. I couldn't wait to get back to the classroom. As terrible as that time in my life was, it did change me. I would have never accepted that job in California if I hadn't had that talk with my mother. Most people thought I was absolutely crazy, and I kept my plan to move to California pretty much a secret until every I was dotted and every T was crossed. One day in the school parking lot, I remember someone joking with me when I was filling my car with boxes. They asked me if I was planning on quitting. I turned and laughed and continued to put those boxes in my car for the next two weeks until my classroom was pretty much bare. I wound up moving more things from my classroom to California than I, than I did personal items. I also owned a house in New York. I signed a contract with a startup school at the very end of May of 2014. On the very first of June, my house was listed on the real estate market, and within a week I had an offer for the full asking price. I hadn't told my school anything, and only two colleagues, who I needed to use as references, even knew this was happening. I also had a stipulation in my contract with the startup school, which said if my school in New York didn't grant me a one-year leave of absence, that I would be able to back out of the deal. I wasn't keeping this all a secret to be shady. I was nervous, well, probably more scared. Actually, I was terrified. That week, I sent an email to my principal and superintendent asking to have a meeting. Within probably seconds, I got a response asking what was going on and if we could meet now. I walked down the stairs to the principal's office. I loved my principal. He was and still is a role model. He was a fantastic leader, and I knew telling him was not going to be easy. I walked into his office. He looked right at me and asked me, are you leaving? He was only making a guess, but he was right. I explained it all, and to make a long story short, he gave me his full support. He expedited my request for a leave of absence, and on the following Tuesday, the Board of Education graciously approved my leave of absence. I must emphasize how crazy people thought I was. I was leaving a tenure job at an excellent school making a competitive salary. I earned the respect from my administration to run my classroom how I thought was best. I was our building, building's union representative, an executive member of our school's PTO, and sat on our school district's PLC board. I loved my students and their families. If I would have stayed the next school year, I probably would have had an entire class of siblings of former students, which would have been pretty cool. But the stars aligned. I jumped. And as my principal explained to me before, I had my success, and it was time to venture out into the world and try something new. I told my class three days before the last day of school I was waiting for my leave of absence to be officially approved. At the end of every school year, I have a special award ceremony for my students at our end-of-the-year feast. After handing out the awards, I jumped out on a desk and began to recite a speech that I carefully memorized the night before, which would explain everything. I don't think I got past the first sentence before the tears started streaming. 
Well, that one year leave of absence turned into two years. And while I learned a lot at my two years at the startup school, it wasn't a fit for me. I was planning on going back to New York, but I fell in love with the Southern California lifestyle. It's literally 75 degrees and sunny here every day. I interviewed all over the county of Los Angeles, but couldn't find a school that I liked. I was being picky. I was offered a few jobs, but I just didn't have that feeling that any of those places were really right for me. Somehow I was able to find something wrong with every single school I interviewed at. Some were too traditional, others were too progressive. I just wanted to find a school that I could settle down at. At the last minute, it was now April and I was ready to throw in the towel and just return to New York, I was asked to interview at this small independent school. It was only a 10 minute drive from my home, which made it appealing, but it was for a fourth grade position and as silly as it now seems, I didn't want to teach fourth grade. I loved everything about fifth grade. I also never imagined teaching at an independent private school. The director of the school did persuade me to come in. As I entered the campus, it was love at first sight. I was interviewed by the school's founder, who at the time was 90 years old. He asked me the best questions that were all related to kids and how they learned. He told me about how he started the school as a one-room schoolhouse almost 60 years ago. The school now lays across a sprawling campus that stretches over five beautiful acres. I was then interviewed by his daughter, who was the head of school, and got a tour of the school campus. I was introduced to kids, staff members, and teachers. And then I met the other fifth grade teacher, who without question, I immediately knew I wanted to work with. The head of school somehow knew that I had been interviewing all around Los Angeles and was aware that I was offered a few jobs, which I had turned down. She called me on a Saturday afternoon and wanted to know what she could do to get me to commit to her school. At that point, the posted position was now for fifth grade. I reminded her that I was looking for a place to settle down. I needed a school that would understand my, at times, unconventional and unique approach to teaching. I asked her, rather for me to come and do a demonstration lesson at her school, I would much prefer her and the hiring team to observe me teach at my current school with my current students. I wanted them to see me in my natural habitat, how I interacted with my own students, and experience my classroom. She agreed, and the rest is history. I'm now in my fourth year at that school, and in addition to teaching fifth grade math, reading, and social studies, I am also the director of curriculum and instruction. I get to teach and I get to collaborate with teachers, act as an educational coach, review and write curriculum, and manage and deliver professional development. The school where I work is a special place. We have an impressive mix of kids. We have a fantastic teaching staff. The school emphasizes teaching the entire child and has a unique global education program. Our kids participate in tons of community service projects and have sister schools around the globe. We have a growing scholarship fund to ensure that we keep a student population that represents the diverse city where we live. I think it's most fitting that my first guest is no other than my colleague, fifth grade teacher, Mary Chen.
one person that I'm happier to introduce as my first and possibly my only uh, guest, depending on how this podcast goes, than the incredible Mary Chen. So Mary teaches fifth grade in the classroom next door, and we actually have a glass door that connects her classroom. So she really knows all the dirt on me. Uh, We actually also just returned from a three-day sleepaway camp uh, up in Big Bear, and we have parent-teacher conferences in a few days. So it's a bit crazy, so thank you for taking a few minutes to chat, Mary. Um, If you don't know Mary, um, I speak about you when I speak at conferences and at schools. I show your photo, and I share that there's literally no one I would rather be colleagues with than you. So in 60 seconds or less, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up and how you got to where we're at right now? Yes, oh my goodness, this is so exciting. Hello, everybody out there in Cyber World podcast world. Um, It's very nice to be here today. What an honor. But um, a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in rural Virginia. And when I say rural, it almost uh, competes with that Big Bear Camp that we actually just came (laughs) here from, where you literally feel like you are in the middle of nowhere. And I hope Kevin also mentioned somewhere that we saw a skeleton carcass outside. (laughs) Does anybody know about that? Oh, not yet. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, and then I moved to Los Angeles when I was about 12, and since ever since then have been an LA native. Nice. Um, So earlier in this episode, I told the story that it was my third grade teacher who inspired me to become a teacher. Do you have any memories of a great teacher or a great lesson or something that inspired you to be a teacher? Yes, her name was Mrs. Lavelle and she was my fifth grade teacher and it was actually because of her that I said to myself one day I am also going to be a fifth grade teacher and if I can bring the joy and love I felt from her to others then that will be a life worth living. Uh, She was my fifth grade teacher back when I was in Virginia and I remember really her classroom just feeling like home. And that feeling has always resonated so deeply with me. And it really was Mrs. Lavelle who changed my life and gave me gave me a vision for my future. Well, that makes sense because your classroom is kind of very cozy. It looks like a home. Oh, my thank Just you. Just a fancy chair and a couch in there. Yes, that's where we like to sit and chit-chat when the kids are, kids are off and away. Um, so talking about memories, do you remember the first time we met? I do. How could I forget? So I visit Kevin at his school, and I remember just being so overwhelmed because your campus was quite interesting. Right. So I was at the point interviewing here that they asked me to come do a demo lesson, but I said I would prefer you because I'm a little different to see me in my to own say the least. <laughs> to see me in my own natural habitat. So Mary and one of our directors came to observe me with the current class that I was teaching. So Kevin had one of his students come and greet us, this adorable young man who came and did- I don't remember any of this. He did the whole uh, handshake, introduced himself, led us to Kevin's room, which immediately hit me as being like an oasis of sorts because his campus was pretty, Busy. Right, it was a charter school, so we we had we had like four schools on one campus. And he's not exaggerating when he says four schools on one campus. I mean, I saw kids ranging from yeah. exactly ranging from high schoolers to itty little little you know second third yeah. graders. It, it felt like, and I heard different bells going off at the same time. Yeah. I I was very very 
surprise. (laughs) And so we arrived to Kevin's classroom and it blew me away. And I just remember being in this really kind of just beautiful space where he he really had magic I mean his classroom was magic and I see Kevin and he's calm cool and collected and I'm thinking my goodness like how does he create a space in the middle of this you know really kind of crazy school campus environment and I remember watching your surface area lesson right it was um I had boxes, and I think they were yes. measuring. Right? They were and what measuring. you don't know is, before that lesson, literally 15 minutes before, I had to give all the boys in the fifth grade the puberty talk. <laughs> oh, well, we would not have known that. Well, they transitioned yes. <laughs> quickly to surface area math yes. lesson. And I remember Kevin jumping on the desks and still calm, cool, and collected, giving those instructions. And I really, truly was amazed. I remember walking through your classroom, reading your post posters and really you you get such a great sense of the educator when you go into their their space space, you really get a feeling of who they are as a teacher and who they are just as a person and I remember saying to our director I will drag him into my car trunk if that's what it takes (laughs) like he is coming home with us we're going home I remember too we I think I only taught for maybe five minutes, and then we were just chit-chatting in the back of my classroom for most of the time. It was crazy, and I know this sounds so cheesy, because when you hear the term love at first sight, it's usually a romantic love. Right, right, no, but that's what I say when I speak, yeah. But when we met, I just was like, where has this person been my whole life? And it was as if it was this you know this missing link that I didn't know that I was even missing and now she has posters we have a glass door so she actually covers the posters (laughs) so I don't know how much you love me anymore (laughs) oh my goodness okay so to wrap it up this is what I call the rapid five okay I do this with all my guests okay I'm going to ask you five quick uh, questions okay and then just the first thing that comes to mind you have to answer them got it Uh, no thought at all okay number one uh, if you could eat only one thing for the rest um, the, of the year, what would you choose? Ramen. Uh, Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt. Uh, mountains or the beach? Oh my God, beach, please. Dogs, Never mountains. Dogs or cats? Oh, dogs. I hate cats. And favorite ch- uh, children's book? Ooh, The Giving Tree. That's always my favorite class. Well, Mary, thank you so much for giving your time up. I know we have a crazy week right here at school, but I really appreciate it. Yay. Thank you. Bye, everybody. So that wraps up my first ever podcast. Next week, I'll be addressing one of my teaching non-negotiables that I refer to as active learning. I will also be having a former student on to talk about what he remembers most about being a student in my class. And since the holidays are right around the corner, a chance for you as a listener to win a giveaway. If you have any questions on what you've heard here today, please message me on Twitter at the Kevin J. Butler. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back next week with the next episode of Lights, Cameras, Teach.